welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Martin Luther, a reasonably well-known figure in church history, the famous theologian and reformer, he was once asked what he would do if if he knew somehow that he was going to die the next day. And without hesitation, apparently he just replied simply, I'd go out and plant a tree. In other words, he would leave behind him a legacy of life that would grow on into the future. He was no doubt aware of his fragility and, and, uh, in, in life, uh, but a calling that there's something more than just living a life for yourself, but to want to do something. And whether he meant that just figuratively, certainly left a lot more than a couple of trees behind him uh, when he left. Uh, but the principle there of legacy is something I want to um, talk about uh, because we're all going to leave a legacy And uh, there's going to be some kind of lasting impact from your life into the lives of others. And as we'll see, that doesn't just mean like when you die, it doesn't just mean money that's left as an inheritance. It can happen all throughout your life. It starts building in our lives, even from a young age. Um, Any influence that that we leave behind is really uh, uh, the definition of of legacy. And it's a subject that's right throughout the Bible. Because God wants his people to understand it, embrace it and live it out. And of course, one reason we want to talk about this today is um, this year, that's the theme that we are running with for our Vision Builders Building Fund, which I think that relates to on that that screen. So... um, this is uh, the fund that we have to pay for the facilities here at 101, all for God's glory, for God's use. And, and we'll have more details in the coming weeks. And then we kind of culminate uh, in um, the end of June, June 25th, I think is that Sunday, because it's the end of one financial year, the beginning of the next. And we have a, an offering day, a first fruit Sunday. We bring pledges, offerings from the end of that financial year, pledges for the next one. Uh, and all that is part of our legacy if you're involved. Uh, so as I said, we'll, we'll talk more um, about that particular fund and, and what we're doing and where the finances are, all that. But in a broader perspective, I want to look at the concept of legacy. And um, let's have a look at Psalm 78. And this is the New Living Translation. The first seven verses says, O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I'll speak to you in a parable. I'll teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us, and we will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. For He issued His laws to Jacob. He gave His instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting His glorious miracles and obeying His commands. Wow, 
So much there about the generations, isn't there? Notice verse 4, we will tell the next generation. Oh, there it is. That's the theme. You can leave the other screen on, Kath, because that is the, that's verse 4. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. That psalm was written by Asaph and he was a Levite priest and a poet and a songwriter. And of course, a lot of the psalms were lyrics for songs that they sang as well as poems. And he wrote 12 psalms that we have in the Bible. And he understood this uh, concept of generational blessing. Uh, He saw his sons serve God. And not just physical, but spiritual sons. Because when you um, read in First Chronicles, uh, in Second Chronicles, I think the book of Ezra, it refers to the sons of Asaph. And it doesn't just mean his natural born sons. It means uh, spiritual children. Uh, it, was a, it was a guild of poets and songwriters uh, who wrote songs to worship God with. And uh, they were following in their spiritual father's footsteps and in this calling to bring glory to God through songs and, and uh, poems. And, and, and really that's continued on. That he began uh, something that has gone on for thousands of years because you go into the church age and uh, you, you, you go right up to today, thousands of years later. You could say that the singers, the songwriters, the worship leaders of today's church are are really spiritual descendants of, of Asaph. And so he was building a legacy that continues today. And you see this flow-on effect in families all the time. You know, every generation receives something from their parents and the parents are leaving a legacy. What you receive, I guess you, you call that your heritage, and then you then pass something on. And, of course, we often equate this to money. People get a, a legacy or an inheritance uh, and, and of course, that needs to be managed well if it's going to be part of the legacy you hand on to the next generation. Uh, and, uh, and of course, sadly, sometimes it's not managed well. Uh, I think that phrase, spend the kid's inheritance, is one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. I hate it with a passion. It's wicked. It's selfish. Oh, don't get me started. Hang on, I started myself. Because <laughs> really, you know, uh, you know the, the, there's a Bible verse that says, a righteous person leaves an inheritance to their children's children. And I used to think, right, okay, great. I'm going to make sure I've got plenty of money to leave to my kids and my grandchildren. But flip, it's pretty hard. You think, there's these grandkids, they're popping out, you know, there's going to be a few of them. And, and, you know, the kids are snapping at your heels, you know. Uh, not quite, uh, you know. But I mean, on the day I turned 60, Eleanor did make some mention about my will. I, I don't know. <laughs> It must have been a coincidence, but I don't know how it got. But just in passing, she, you know, the, the subject came up. <laughs> and so you think, oh, flip, okay, you want me to check out now? It's only, I'm, I didn't turn 90, I only turned 60. But, you know, and I used to think, okay, so you, the pressure's on. You've got to leave money, you know, when, when you die to your kids and then plenty for the grandkids. But I've realised that that's not necessarily the case. But a righteous person given good management and stewardship of their legacy, will then bless the grandchildren only if the children look after it and manage it and not spend it all 
and take it all selfishly. Anyway, so, and uh, sadly, you know, I think that's uh, a bit of, in our culture, this sort of uh, uh, basically a selfish attitude to whatever you get is yours. And even if it was your parents, it's like, great, it's all mine and I'll use it all uh, without carrying this sense of ministry, stewardship, responsibility to carry that on and be a blessing to the next generation. Um, but as I said, heritage and legacy, it's more than just money. Because in some cases, there's no money coming down. But there's things that are more powerful, more important than money. Values, the worldview that someone has. They might not even realise that they've picked up from the parents. You don't even realise what's being carried on to the next generation. Uh, the, 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 the convictions that we have, the, the morals that we live with. And of course, sometimes these aren't very good either, even though people might say this is... This is the family. It's the family. You know, they, it's, it's, we have our values. And Jimmy, your brother Johnny has not stood up to the family values. So you know what to do. And he has to go out and whack him. And that doesn't mean a clip over the ears either, you know. Um, so those Godfather movies really encapsulated, sadly, some of that truth of, um, of how some people live with strong family values that are kind of pretty crazy. And they uphold them and they think they're important. But so, you know, hopefully you haven't been you know, brought up with some really skewed values. But whatever you receive as your heritage, you then have to work through and wrestle sometimes to work out, well, what do I really believe and what do I really want to pass on? And then that will be your legacy, hopefully something better than what you've received, something that you work on and in God have values that will be a great blessing to the next generation. And this is the same in God's family, not just in natural families. Because when you look at the Old Testament, you see God moving through the generations of His chosen people, the Jewish people. And uh, they would receive you know, a, a heritage, they would pass on that as their legacy and it would go through and we see that referred to uh, by Asaph in that psalm. And then of course Jesus comes, he ushers in a new phase, the church era, but this is carrying on this concept of legacy where people have heard about God and now about Jesus and His ministry and, and their belief in him, and then they want to pass that on so that the next generation will also believe in him. And when Jesus said he will build his church, he had a long-term view in mind because we're 2,000 years later and we're still waiting for him to come back and he's still building, he's still reaching, and it wasn't just to the Jewish people in that city, it wasn't just for that locality, it wasn't just that era in human history or that place. It's gone all over the world and all through the generations, the, the gospel. And he knew that this would grow and spread uh, all over the world right up until he returns. And so part of the work of the church is for us to raise up and bless and, and bring the gospel to the next generation. In other words, to leave a legacy from one generation to the next of what they know about God, what they've experienced in God, how to follow Him, worship Him, love Him, serve Him, reveal Him to the world. And uh, this is right through the Bible. Um, one more psalm. I'll give you one more example, but there's others you can find. Here's Psalm uh, 22, David writing this psalm. Our children, verse 30 in Psalm 22. Uh, our children will also serve Him. Future generations 
will hear about the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. So how will they hear? Who's doing the telling? That's one generation, isn't it? Sharing to the next person. So God relies on people to get the message across as to who he is, about his love, about his calling, about his miracle working power. And, and so he's always using people. It's, it amazes me. You know, sometimes you think, God, just send some angels, sort us out, get that person out of the way. They're doing a bad job. The church is challenging and difficult and we're scratchy and wouldn't it be easier if we were just watching some perfect angelic presentation, you know, the, the, there'd be no faux pas from the preacher, there'd be no dud notes, the music, the sound guys wouldn't get a look every now and then about some weird noise and, you know, no one would be, the coffee would be perfect, mind you, it's very good, John, it's okay, you know, uh, but God loves to use people the church, and he gets us together, and it's good for us. Iron sharpening iron, you know, no one's perfect. Get on together. It's like, it, it, it is family, like natural families. It's spiritual family. And, um, and he gets us in, and every generation, and in fact, every follower of Jesus has this calling to pass on to younger people what we know about the Lord and a revelation about how he's moved in our life so that they will also be stirred to seek him and have him move in their lives and in their generation. And notice this, this is not just a message for old people. This is not just, okay, I get it, right? You know, when I'm just about to die, bring a couple of kids near me and I'll lay hands on them and then I'll kick the bucket. And No, no, we are leaving, we are building and leaving some kind of a, a legacy all the time. Even, even from the youngest generation, you go out in the courtyard afterwards while you're having your coffee, watch the little kids. There's little kids that are like five and six running around. They're starting to leave a legacy already. They're ministering without even realising it to the two and three-year-olds. Because you watch two and three-year-olds, oh, they just look up to, you know, Rose is a role model. And fortunately, she's a really good role model, you know, of what is she, eight, Nine, seven, she's not, wow, she's really getting old. Nine, wow. You know, but, uh, you know, you got little ones like, you know, Junie at three and then you just see them, ah, here's Rose. And their eyes light up and they follow them around. They do whatever they're doing. They just copy them and obey them. Not that Rose is a real pushy one. Maybe Iris, tell them, tell them what to do. Sit down, do this. You know, and the little ones, they, eh, you know, they just follow around. And so that's just, the, you, you see these little munchkin kids, you know, but they're actually already impacting and influencing the even littler kids. And, uh, and, and then you can often see some people, some little kids, you know, love that, love the little kids, and that never leaves them. For example, Bethany, I think, you know, I've mentioned recently how, you know, Bethany uh, loved little kids, even when she was little. She was babysitting other little kids and, and it was awesome for church events. We go, oh, we need a babysitter. Bethany, oh, please, can I? I was like, yes, of course. She would love to babysit all the little kids. Now, you carry that on all through the years and now she's a school teacher passing on that love and care to kids in her classroom. And I was blessed last week, Bethany and Justin coming back from their travels overseas and I was asked to fill in for three days at the beginning of term to Bethany's class and flip it was the cleanest tidiest classroom I've ever walked into I was scared I thought oh this is 
This is going to be, I'm going to get a text. No matter how I leave it, she's going to like, Dad, there was a piece of paper on the ground. She does a thing with the kids at the end of the day. Right, secret scrap. And she sits there and the kids, they love it. They're like, sir, do secret scrap. It's like one of the, so they all tidy the room till it's immaculate and then there's one tiny bit of paper that if they chose, she had chosen, that was the secret scrap. And the kid, you know, da-da, they're the winner of that little game. So she's got games that they love all about tidying the classroom, keeping it clean. It's awesome. But I walk in there, the atmosphere, I like casual teachers, some of us here are teachers, it can be rough. You know, casual teaching at its worst can be really tough. This was the easiest gig I've ever had. These kids were calm, ordered, respectful, disciplined. They all knew what was going to go on. It was just amazing. And that's because the teacher loves them, loves their work, loves imparting, you know. And that's a legacy that started when she was very little and is carrying on. And, uh, of course, you know, some of us take a while to figure out, you know, what kind of career we're going to get into. But Bethany always kind of knew that. And it worked well for her. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, um, we, we should have an awareness that we have influence. Um, we are making a difference in the way we relate to people, in the way we talk and the way we think and the way we pray and the way we work and in the way we handle our finances, which of course relates, as I said, to the giving program because when we give to this fund... We are helping secure a property for God's glory, for God's use, for his church. And that is one way of building a legacy, of blessing the next generation, passing on to them something valuable and important and useful. Um, as I said, I, I want to have time for prayer. And I really want to pray, so I don't want to preach too much longer, just an hour or two. Um, but I... I um, I hope you got to see the Jesus Revolution movie. Who saw that? Okay, so I, I, I hope it'll be on some streaming thing. I don't know if it's still at the movies, but it's, uh, it, it followed the beginning of the Jesus movement uh, that started in the hippie culture of California in the late 1960s and spread all over the world over the next decade and, and beyond. And I found it really particularly moving uh, because it's part of my heritage, my history. When I got born again in 1978, it was, it was into that hippie, wannabe hippie culture. Like the, our hippie culture was kind of a sanitised suburban legal version of hippie lifestyle, you know. Like we weren't just, we were still at school, uh, you know. We were still generally obeying our parents, you know. We just took our shoes off and pretended we wanted to go bare feet everywhere, even though it was killing and cold and you know but we just wanted to and we just wore the clothes and tried to you know but in that um you know we got born again because there was a lot of ministry going on outside the traditional Christian environment of the church and that film followed this wonderful older guy uh Chuck Smith who um was a pastor and he made room for the hippies in his church and they and they show it really well he became famous for shepherding that movement of being a father figure for these young crazy hairy smelly you know people bearded and and that's just the girls just the you know you know what I mean they were just sort of alternative culture to what people were used to and and Pastor Phil and Christine Pringle had the same experience in New Zealand Christine was talking about it uh, at our pastors conference just this week 
and how they had this wonderful move of God. And just like this movie portrays, there were some older, serious, fuddy-duddy kind of people that didn't like the smelly, barefoot new ones. And uh, they, in, in the movie, they show how those people left. Chuck Smith stood his ground and he ended up with a church full of hippie Jesus movement people and it, and it, and it spread and, uh, and he became famous for that. But in uh, Phil and Christine's church uh, in New Zealand at the time, the past guy, traditional Pentecostal church, embraced them all. And they had hundreds of people coming to this church, getting born again and delivered and, 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 and giving back the stolen bicycles that they were riding around town on and, and uh, you know, having their lives changed. But sadly and tragically, the traditionalists in the church didn't like it. They voted the pastor out and the move of God stopped immediately and they had no more revival in that church. They had their clean pews. But what do you want? You know, the, the mess is better. That's, you know, they always say, oh, it's all right if you've got a broken window from the youth group, and we've had many, because at least you've got a youth group that's, you know, out, not that they're out to break windows, hopefully, although as a pastor you do sometimes wonder if it was a competition over the years, you know, who can break the window this Friday night. But, um, but you know, what's uh, so I had a father figure like Chuck Smith. You've heard me talk about Mac Lindsay. He preached for us once, you know, my high school teacher, wonderful man of God. And he also made room for young, crazy, long haired, you know, buff heads like me and just encouraged us, loved us, trained us, released us. And there's lots of people like myself who are still serving God in leadership positions or in all kinds of ministry positions because they were shepherded, they were looked after well. But sadly, as Paul says, you have teachers, but you don't have many fathers. All through, even in church history way back then, this has often been the challenge for the church that there's not enough father figures that are embracing the younger ones and saying, Yeah, that's okay. I don't care, you know, what you look like. You know, if you're hungry for God, I'm with you. And sometimes we look at, you know, like Tony was saying, you know, he wasn't allowed to go to his, no, his mate wasn't allowed to go to his wedding because his mate had hair over his collar. And they were in a church, it's like, your hair's too long. He was his best man, I think. He wasn't allowed to attend. It's like, and, and, and we think now, long hair, that's nothing <laughs> compared to what people do to their appearance. And that doesn't matter, does it? What people look like. And so we want to make sure, uh, you know, that the doors are open for people to come in from all walks of life, all persuasions of lifestyles, all appearances. And, uh, and just have that heart of grace that we let them come to God's throne, throne of grace. And um, I also, uh, you know, I found, as I said, that movie very um, uh, stirring. It was emotional. You know, like Bethany said at the end, oh, I just cried the whole way through. What about you, Dad? And there was a young couple who I hadn't met, who I think are new to the church, and they're right there. I thought, I'm not giving anything away, you know. <laughs> Hardly know these people. Oh, man, oh, Beth, oh, you sweet thing. Yeah, well, I cried the whole way through too. And I'm just glad it was a, you know, dark cinema. Because I'm just there like so many people going, oh, God, do it again. Just a wave and a, a, just a wonderful move of God where young people were coming to Christ and giving their lives to Him. Um, and so we pray for that. And... Um, and we want to steward that, you know, if and when it comes to uh, our life, church, community, family, environment, you know, that you are never going to be the person that says, ah, it's stopping with me. You know, like 
we all have a responsibility to be able to keep reaching and loving. And you don't have to be a youth leader. You don't have to even be a, a, a parent, a physical, natural parent, you know. But we, we do want to have the, and, and I love in our church here, this multi-generational, you know, flow where you've got little kids running around. Someone uh, joined the church not too long ago and they weren't that young. They are sort of, you know, senior age people. And they said, when I first came in, I was like, whoa, all the kids. It was noisy afterwards. I'm trying to have my coffee, you know. But then they said, but then I realised it was awesome. This is great. I enjoy the life and the energy and the kids running around, you know, biting your ankles and all that. Um, and so the challenge uh, sometimes and, uh, you know, a lot of those people and for myself too, they met the Lord outside the church. There were youth groups and random coffee shop ministries and beach missions and, and there are still ministries like this going on. Uh, and so that was awesome. Uh, it showed there was a great strength and push to, you know, effectively take the gospel out into the community, which we want to run with as a value. But I can say that, you know, sadly, um, over the years, I've noticed uh, people who didn't end up in church didn't keep following the Lord. The, you, you know, we are subject to some degree of the environment that we place ourselves in. We will be influenced by the people that we let influence us and and you want to be in the house of God. And so 40 years plus later, I see people who had given their lives to the Lord back then and it's only those that found their way into the house of God and planted themselves in a local church that are growing and fruitful. And so there's a real mission for us also that we are connecting into the community but also creating a a place for people to be accepted and growing in the house of God, yeah? And so um, oh, I, I just sensed that when I saw that film and I'm thinking about this message, that cry of God, do it again. Uh, you know, send us a move, send us a wave of the Holy Spirit and a, and a revival. But of course, as they always say, where does revival begin? It begins in the hearts of those who already know the Lord you and me, and so our challenge is that we do not um, uh, get stale and plateau and, and uh, a holy huddle and all those sort of concepts, uh, and, and yet that we would be uh, responsive to the Holy Spirit, yeah, to his passion. And, uh, and so, as I said at the beginning, we all leave some kind of legacy, and we're all building that legacy so the challenge and the question that we've got to ask is, what kind of legacy am I building and what kind of legacy will I leave? Will you, like some people, sadly, never consider the concept, never really think at all about what you're standing for and what you're passing on to other people? Or will you, sadly, also decidedly live for yourself? And spend the kids' inheritance and selfishly reject the calling of living with responsibility to use your gift for God's glory and for the benefit of others. Will you just consume everything that comes to you? Because we're in a generation of consumers. Or will you be passionate about the things of God and just as passionate to transfer that passion, to communicate to people, the next generation especially, like Joshua said, you know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's a, that's a statement of conviction, isn't it? 
uh, with this concept in mind. Come on, let's uh, stand, ah, spend uh, a little while in worship again. And uh, I want to pray for you if you, as I said, if you're sick in your body, presence of God and healing uh, in that presence is available. If you're stirred just to know the Lord uh, in a fresh way and the Holy Spirit's moving on your heart, come forward. Or if there's any other issue in your life, just want you to come as we sing. Of course, if you're here today and you need to give your life to Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, commit your life to Christ. Come, let me pray for you in that way. We'll just sing a, 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 a worship refrain for a while. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We want to love you. We want to love you more. We want to... We want to fulfil the calling that You have on our lives, God. Not just to live for ourselves, but to live for You and for others and especially the next generation. We thank You for the generations we have in this church, in our community around us. And Lord, help us all to connect and engage and communicate and share what You do in our life with others for their blessing and their benefit. Thank You, Lord. Stir in our hearts. We thank You that we have all got time and talents and treasure that are that are gifts and resources to pass on to others. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.